0: All right, as we bring the lights up, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 17. So if you want to turn there or, uh, It'll be up on the screens, and, uh, or there's probably a Bible in front of you there in the pew. Uh, that's where we're going to be uh, tonight, John chapter 17. Continuing through a, a series for this fall, uh, just exploring a little more uh, deeply the different relationships that we have um, in our in our in our lives but but kind of starting maybe from a different place of of thinking like you know how to have a healthy marriage or how to be a great parent you know not really starting there, starting more um, in in looking at it from a like a, how God built us for connections with each other and why why relationships are this uh, this automatic thing that from the youngest of ages you start to form them and they become great sources of joy and fun and encouragement and uh, solidarity. They can also be sources of a lot of pain and heartache and wounds and there's just kind of this this big spectrum of things that that come from all these connections that we have with people and um, all of that finds its origin with God himself. That we are made in the image of God, we are we reflect our Creator, and uh, being made in His image is the same thing as it's the same terminology and words used when a, a child uh, to talk about how a child is in the image of their parents. And so, we were made in His image, and the reason why we are interpersonal and why we connect relationally is because the image of the one we're made in, He Himself, is a community. That our God is one God who exists in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so God himself is a, is a little community, the three of them, or a big community, but you know, roll with me here. little community, uh, Father, Son, Spirit, and we are made to reflect that. And so they interact with each other, they, there is love, there is support, there is all these things in how they treat one another... And so when God created us, he created us to be the same way. And so the reason why, from the time you're born, all the way throughout the whole span of your life, you're tied to other people because we're built to connect in that way. And so um, we're just kind of going through looking at the relationships that we have and trying to trace back how our connections with one another, um, how those tie to God's connections Within the Godhead and within us to see exactly what the what the full version of those relationships should look like, um, and so all these po- are podcasted, and all that stuff is up, and uh, tonight we're going to start kind of looking at our connections to each other within a church family and and what that is supposed to look like um, in a lot of ways. It kind of it just makes a lot of sense, especially now that we have some a couple of weeks behind us you 're probably anticipating that i 'm going to say well we 're supposed to look like God and we 're supposed to reflect God to each other, and we 're supposed to do all that because that's in all of these relationships we 're finding that they 're all connected to him in some way or another but we 're going to start by looking in John seventeen to see exactly uh, what Jesus like had in mind, and so there's this this section of the book of John. Uh, that's called the. it's it was nicknamed. I'd never seen this before. It's called the Farewell Discourse, which is like Jesus like saying goodbye to everyone, which is kind of sad. Um, and he's like getting like all these like last things out to his disciples, and and it's some of the most like dense, p- like powerful imagery that that's in the whole Bible, in my opinion. And uh, it's just so packed with stuff. We're gonna try to cover a whole chapter tonight, which is we're just gonna kind of have to skim it. But but I want us to get a sense of what's going on here. Within chapter 17, Jesus prays for, it's kind of in, in thirds. He starts out, he prays for himself, and then he prays for his, his disciples, and then he prays for those who will become his disciples through the ministry of his current disciples. Um, and so if we're thinking, we're thinking uh, in a linear sense, time-wise, Jesus is there, he's toward the end of his life here on earth in ministry, and what does he do? He, he, he stops and he prays, and then he prays for you, and he prays for me. Because we are followers of Jesus, because other followers of Jesus invited us in, and other followers of Jesus invited them in, and invited them in, and it all kind of traces back to This original group of followers. And so we're about to read some words that Jesus prayed with you and I in mind. Like he had living hope in mind when he prayed this. Not only living hope, obviously. But to think about him praying these words over us so long ago. Should give us some insight as to how we should... Uh, look at one another and interact with one another and it, what we should expect from one another and how how that relationship should kind of roll. So let's start in the beginning of 17. This first paragraph, this is where Jesus is praying for himself. And there's a lot in here, and I'm not going to get into it uh, super deeply um, because we just don't have time for that tonight. But this is him coming before the Father, so verse 1. whom you have sent I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do and now father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed so there's a little confusion it's a little confusing in there cuz he's you know kind of speak like jumping tenses and persons and all that kind of stuff but but he's coming before god and he's saying okay this like this is the end of what i have been sent here to do um, and he's asking the Father to, um, to bless and to use his life to bring glory to God and, to, and for those that have come in to God's uh, to a relationship with God. And so he's kind of having this moment where it's, it's kind of all encapsulating the fact that he has come that people would know who God is. He says, this is eternal life, that you would know God and know Jesus Christ, who God has sent. And he knows he's about to return to the Father. He knows that, that earthly ministry is about to come to an end. He knows he's about to return to heaven and, uh, and go back to the kind of glory that he had before, you know, from the very beginnings. And so we see this, this long-standing relationship with Jesus and with God the Father... And with God, the the spirit that has existed before time, and so Jesus uh, is preparing to leave, and he's leaving all of his disciples behind, and so he's just coming before the Lord, and he's interceding for them, and he's just kind of laying out these prayer requests for these, uh, like these are his friends, these are his his, they're not just his followers and his disciples, these are family to him, these are people that he loves and he cherishes, and. And, and he's about to die for them, and they don't even really realize it. And he's going to entrust to them the, the church and the future and bringing the kingdom of God near. And so these are, these are the people that are, he has trained, and they're about to go forward. And, and so he's just doing what friends do. He's interceding, and he's praying for them, and he comes before the Father. And this is what he begins to pray for us. Verse uh, 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you've given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them i 'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours okay so this is this is very very focused at his prayers at this point. This is not a global prayer, this is for like the, the like the disciples this is for those who are followers of Jesus this is a a um, with th- that group in mind, and it has this forward momentum as well, so you can kind of hear this uh, the seriousness and the, and the passion, the love that he has for them. Um, and, and, and the confidence that he has in knowing like that he, he has revealed the Father to them. And they have responded to that. And they, have, uh, they are now walking in the truth of who he is. And they believe that he is exactly who God has, has said he was. And, and everything is just kind of coming together in this really powerful way. Um, verse 12, or look at verse 11. Tell you ten. All right, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in Your name, which You have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Let's we're gonna hit pause for a second. Look at that verse again. Look at eleven. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. So that's talking about Jesus is going to ascend and go back to heaven, and the Spirit of God is going to come and dwell in all of his believers, all of his disciples, that Christians will become vessels, temples of the Holy Spirit where Christ in them is the hope of glory. And so, so he's he's... Not coming to terms with that in a strange way, but he's, I think he's excited about it, but I think he's maybe feeling the, the gravity of the moment. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just kind of projecting. But I think I can, you can just kind of feel that he's like, this is really, really big. And then when he prays for them, uh, in the second part of verse 11, Holy Father, keep them in your name. That idea of, of a name is talking about, his, about the, the authority of God and the character of God. He's asking the Father, "Would you would you like keep them in 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 who you are? Would they be pro- be protected? Be guarded? Would they be blessed and kept? You know, like we say at the end of our services when we we pray that blessing over one another, Jesus is praying that as well. Would you keep them in your name, uh, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one." Let's. Think about that for a second. Jesus prayed for his church to be one just as he and the Father and the Spirit are one. That Jesus' prayer for us as a church is that we would walk in a deep sense of oneness, that there would be a, a unity that exists. A solidarity that exists, um, but not just you know, not just like oh, look, we're all wearing the same shirt. Like not like that kind of unity. Not like oh, we're all LSU fans. Not like that kind of unity. Like a trinitarian oneness. That's different. That's different than a lot of the unity that we kind of see in the world around us. Jesus is praying for a Father-Son-Spirit kind of oneness to exist in this room. So I'm not going to talk about other churches or ministries or global Christianity. I want us to think in terms of this family of faith. And if this is not your family of faith, then just transfer all the stuff I'm saying to your family of faith. And if you're looking for one, we would love to have you. But in terms of us... I don't think it's out of bounds to think this specifically and to kind of be a little bit self-centered for a few minutes. That Jesus was praying with Living Hope Fellowship be kept in your name. That they would be one just as we are one. Jesus is asking the Father to make that happen for us. For you and for me. That that would be the reality that we live in. That as mysterious as the Trinity is, you know, as mysterious as the three gods that are it's, it's, it's three in one and one in three and they're all equal, and all, as, as mysterious as all that stuff is, that he would form in us a bond and a connection that makes that a little less mysterious. Because we experience it together. Because we're made in that image. Holy Father, would you make them one as we even as we are one so if we were to try to apply that and, and, and try to think okay what is that what does that mean? If you go back a few weeks and you're thinking, okay well what do we know what do we know about the Father, Son, and Spirit? What do we know about that oneness that exists? If Jesus is praying that we would experience that and walk in that, then what do we know about the original that we are a copy of, what do we know about the model that we are trying to reflect One of the things that comes to mind for me is that there is this equality that exists that the father the son and the spirit uh, you know are like on the same level, so to speak you know that there isn't There isn't like first, second, third place gods. There isn't varsity, JV, freshman team gods. There isn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't work like that at all that there is, that they are all fully and equally God. And so if we are in that image, then, and that's what Jesus is praying for us, then there has to exist an equality among us. That we are like it's not just something that's on paper, you know. We probably all feel like, oh no, yeah, no, we're we're all equal. I get it, you know. But you may not feel you may not feel that way in reality. Sometimes you may feel that God is a little more involved in someone else's life than yours. That He's a, a little more uh, generous with the blessings, you know. He's like made some people like super talented compared to you or some people are super good with money compared to you or some people are really, really hilarious, you know, compared to you or or this or this or this. And you don't maybe feel very equal. You feel like some people like the second they pray, the phone rings with the answer that they were asking for. But for you, it's just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and, pray, and nothing ever happens, you know. So it could be that kind of equality and maybe feeling that you're not equal in how God treats you. Maybe it's not equal in how God has made you. Maybe you you wish you were gifted differently than someone else. Maybe you don't feel like you have anything to offer at all to the church. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, Maybe you literally feel like God loves other people more than he loves you. Or that he loves you because he has to, because he has to love his kids, and you know all that. You know, there's just all kind of really weird, like things that can dig their way down into our minds that lead us to believe that there is uh, absolute inequality in a room like this. And yet Jesus is praying that they would be one, that we would be one, just like God, Father, Son, Spirit are one. And if there's equality there, then there must be equality here for us to be able to walk in the fullness of what he prayed for us. And so if you begin to read your Bible and you begin to see like Psalm 139 and, and things where, where there's this beauty and this depth and this amazingness about how God has made us. But, but that there really is this like absolute equality that we walk in. The reality is that there is, there is Trinitarian equality in this room. That's the reality. Now, we may not just always be dialed into that reality. And I wonder if Jesus knew that, and that's a part of what he's praying for, and a part of what he made sure made it into the book. you know, So that we could read that verse and maybe think about some of these things and have to get down to the fact that that we are going to have to overcome some inequality that exists in the world we were born into as he brings us more and more into his kingdom to realize that we grow up in a world where, from a very young age, you try and figure out where you stack up in the pack. I, I think I've talked about this before, but you know how it is. When you, get in, when you get old enough to get into and to start doing some activities and school and different kinds of things, and, and you start to get labeled you know, as as smart kid, funny kid, behavior problem, athlete, artist, like all these different things come out there, and you begin to hear that, and then you get grouped up that way, and then you begin to kind of own that a little bit more, and you kind of find where you are in the, in the pack, in, in your peers. And you start to learn exactly where your grades stack up to other people's grades, and you just kind of find where you are in the depth chart there, and you just kind of accept it, and it happens with school, it happens socially, it happens with dating relationships, it happens with, uh, like as you get older, you get into college, it happens uh, with that, if you go into the military, if you go into the workforce, and it just keeps transferring, and every one of us know that that kind of never goes away. Because you can be a like, fully grown adult who is working and has a family and all this kind of stuff, and there's still a part of you that's still trying to figure out socially where you stack up with things. And so we have to realize that what Jesus is praying here is the opposite of what, of the world that we're born into. And so, of course, our tendency is going to be to drag inequality in here. And he's saying, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not that. Inequality may exist out there in all these other realms, but this is not that. This is the, this is the place where the ground is level. This is the place where everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made. Where each individual is is cherished by this God who is big enough to cherish us all fully and equally the same. Sometimes people say, well, if God loves everyone, then that doesn't make me feel very special. I'm like, okay, well, I understand that, but... Think about the fact that he's just that big. like He's just big enough to be able to look at you equally as the person sitting next to you or the person across from you. And so in order for us to to figure out how how are we supposed to interact with each other, we have to recognize that Jesus is doing a unique thing among us. So you may experience inequality outside of here because of all these different kinds of factors. But in this place... When the saints are gathered, we are one, as the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. And the equality that they live in is is not only what He has done in us from an identity standpoint, but that is who He is... We're like catching up with that little by little by little through our progressive sanctification. He's bringing us on that page. In our worship times can bring us closer. Our community group times can bring us closer. We're serving each other. It can bring us closer. When we're humble enough to say, I need some help with this, it brings us closer and closer and closer. And I hope, if you've been around for a while, I hope that that sense of equality has, has grown for you. That those insecurities are subsiding and that your securities are growing, not in a prideful way, but in a just God-honoring way of saying, okay, this is, this is a place where I am, um, I am with these people. And if you don't feel that way, if that's not your normal experience, um, we collectively are, are trying to work on that together. Like, we need to be praying for that. We need to be looking for that. We need to be letting God do that among us. I'm not saying at all that we are, are perfect. I'm saying like, hey, here's, here's this ideal that we're working for, is for this to be the most equal place. I don't mean this building. I mean these gathered people to say, you know what? I feel very out of, out of balance in a lot of places, but this isn't one of them. My community group is not one of them. My home is not one of them. When I'm having dinner with Christian friends, it's not one of them. That's a place where I'm like, okay, this this is how we were made. So when Jesus says that we praise that we would be one as they are one, then that's part of it. But not only are they equal, there's there's a distinction that exists among them as well. You know, so the Father is he's equal with the Son and Spirit, but they're not. He's not the same as them. They're distinct from one another. Their 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 personalities are distinct. They're, the way that they interact with each other is distinct. The way that they the roles that they play in and uh, in how everything is like functioning and happening those are all distinct. But there is a distinction that comes from that equality. And so when when things are completely equal, then you are free to be who you are. And so it kind of has to be it has to be both of those things that he's praying for that we would be one. As they are one, because a part of their oneness is that they're equal, but it, it's also a part of their oneness that they are distinct and diverse. You know, there's this, there's this really great commercial that's been out for a little bit, and it's like a guy playing the piano, and it's like, you know, he's playing the piano, he's tearing it up. Then he turns around, and he plays the piano, but every note's tuned to the same note. You seen that commercial? And the slogan is something like, uh, don't be the same, be together. And I think that there's like really something to be said for that, that we can be equal, across the board we can be equal, and we can look at each other and be like, yeah, none of us are the same. That those can, can coexist. That the Father, Son, and Spirit are equal, but yet they are distinct, and they are diverse. And there's a beauty within that community, and there's a beauty within this community as well. And so, yeah, we shouldn't all sit around and act like we're the same, because we're not. Our, our genders are not the same, our skin colors are not the same, our backgrounds are not the same, our interests are not the same, our, our gifts, you know, our strengths and our weaknesses and the, the stuff that we just like to do and the, the, where you are on the emotional spectrum in the, any given moment. You know, There's just like so much that's going on around us that there is this amazing blend of equality and diversity that exists within the church and within this room. And Jesus is a champion of that. He loves that. And a part of why he loves it is because it's a reflection of his own community. Now Yeah, there's only three of them. So there's only so much you know, diversity that's there, I guess. But he can take a room that's really different from each other. Make us all equal and make us diverse. And, you'll, and let this oneness kind of form from there. And so there's probably times, too, when, when kind of in the same, same line of thinking as, the like, inequality, where you're, you're unsure about how your unique blend of personality and gifts and experiences and all that kind of stuff, how, what does that have to do with everything that's going on in here? And it's always easier to see how other people's gifts fit into, like, the kingdom and what's happening, you know. It really is. We all often make ourselves kind of that exception where we just aren't real sure about it. But the truth is, like when God puts the church together, he has this prayer of Jesus in mind. That we would be one just as they are one. So he loves the fact that you're wired up the way that you are. You may hate it. (laughs) You may wish it would change. You may not be real sure to do with it sometimes. But he he loves it. He's not trying to get you to change how you're gifted. He's trying to purge us of sinful patterns and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but He's not trying to get you to be different. He's trying to help you see the beauty of how you fit into this completely equal and yet massively diverse family that He's called you into. It's kind of amazing, you know, because we, we go from being enemies of God to being family of God, adopted sons and daughters, We go from a completely, like, a situation that's just filled with inequality, based on all kinds of reasons, brought into a place where we say, no, okay, now everyone is equal, yet no one is the same. And God just begins, he just begins to applaud that. He begins to dance over that. He begins to love the fact that we are uh, just this, like, quirky, weird mixture of all these different kinds of things that he can perfectly weave together to accomplish what He wants to accomplish today and tomorrow and all the way through until eternity. Like, only He can do that. And here's Jesus with this very simple prayer. Holy Father, would you keep them in your name? Like, would you, would you, like, maintain this? that they would be one. That there would be that kind of unity. Just like there's unity among the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We really haven't talked a whole lot about how holiness fits into that. See, sin wants to create inequality. Holiness brings the equality. Sin wants to make diversity and distinction a bad thing. Holiness wants to make it this beautiful work of God, this tapestry. That's a complete like mess behind it, but then you flip it over and it's like a beautiful picture of a waterfall. Like That's like what we're talking about. So this holy love that exists within the Trinity, that's the, that's the key to us moving forward toward this kind of Trinitarian interaction with each other. Of equality and distinction and diversity and holy love. Like that's thats what's going to do it. In the times when you have walked in in a, a sense of community together where you're like, i I belong here. Like Jesus, because of Jesus, I belong here. He has made me to... Be here. This is my family. It's because there's a holiness that's there that's keeping you from wanting to compete. It's com- it's keeping you from being prideful. It's helping you to be teachable and to be humble. And to recognize God's amazing orchestration of all these things together. So, alright, let's keep going. So that's, uh, the, to me, that's just a stunning prayer. Verse 12. As while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction. Uh, that's Judas. That the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That's the like that's the that's the landing point for us. Like that oneness is, should create this joy that exists, you know. It's like everything everything like sinking up and lining up and you're like, "Okay, this is this is the joy of the Lord being my strength." When you're living in the image of the one that you were made in, when there is holy love that's driving your relationships, when our interactions are, are described with that kind of equality and all those kinds of things, because this this holy connection that God has made for us, and you know, you've experienced it. Maybe, maybe not every day, maybe not all the time, but you know what I'm talking about, where you're just overjoyed with what God is doing in your life. You're overjoyed with the fact that He said, Come to me. You're weary, you're heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I'm going to bring you into this family and give you a new name, and I'm going to change the game. And there's that part of you that's like, it just it's just right, it resonates. You're like, that's what it is, and that's what Jesus is praying. He's asking the Father to do all these things so that there may be this fullness of joy for his disciples. Um, verse 14, I've given them your word... And the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. God's saying, I'm not, "I'm not asking you to keep to take them out of the world. I'm sending them. I want you to send them out. You know, I want them to go. And as they go, would you just protect them? That that a part of, of how we should view one another and 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 interact with one, with one another, like coming from that Trinitarian equality and." And diversity, and that connection that the Father, Son, and Spirit have, we have that connection with each other. And when we come together, there should be this kind of like galvanizing, like I don't know, thing that happens among us where you feel that solidarity that exists. And then Jesus like flips the tables and says, "Yeah, but that's not supposed to stay here. It's supposed to. It's going to go. So I'm going to gather them together, let them experience that that joy being manifest. But then I, I want them to go. They have to go." And the reason they have to go is in this last paragraph, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's praying for people who don't know him, but will come to know him through the faithfulness of the sent disciples. Whether that's them who are sitting there, or that first generation, or the next generation, or the next generation, or our generation with the generation that is to come. Jesus sees the church as this this outward-reaching, like, powerful force that's being kept and being guarded and being grounded in the truth and looks like the Trinity and is being sent out into a world that hates it. And that's what he's praying for. He's like, no, that's good. Like, I want that to happen. So he's praying for those who would come to know him. What does he pray? Verse 21. He prays that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What's the key to people who don't know Jesus, coming to know Jesus? A huge, huge, massive part of it is us being faithful when we're out there. Is that Trinitarian holy love, all those kind of things that we, way we treat one another, we also treat everybody else like that out there. And as we go, God uses that to, to show the genuineness of what, of what He has done in us, what He's doing in us, and who He is. That's the plan. I mean, Jesus is praying this. He's praying that this would be real for us. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Are we seeing that we seeing this this thing that that the more the more we are ch- are trinitarian in our community with one another we're naturally going to take that to other people and all that is going to just continue to cycle through for the glory of god this is is what jesus is praying for this oneness is it's not just a nice prayer that he prayed it's not just a mantra this is his heartbeat that we would be one just as they are one because that's how he built it to work that's how we're supposed to work with one another, and with people outside of this room, and that's how it's supposed to always continue to happen. It's his design. Verse 24, as we close out. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you've given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I may known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you've loved me may be in them, and I in them. This this internalizing of this love and oneness, this is no joke to our to our Savior. You can hear the passion, you can hear the... You can, just, you can hear him being stirred up for what is about to begin in the history of the church. And I, I don't believe that he's stopped praying this for us. I think he's continuing to pray this for us. I don't know if you, if you were a youth group kid in the, in the 90s. Then you saw, if you're a Southern Baptist youth group kid, I should say, then you saw the emergence of some like just, some, just different things that are now kind of staples out there, but they were just getting off the ground. Like uh, True Love weights was, was like a 90s thing, um, and th- they wanted to fill out the commitment cards and stack them at the top of the Georgia Dome or something like that, and that was like 93. Disciple Now Weekends, that was a 90s thing that came about. Um, what Would Jesus Do? Bracelets, that was a 90s thing. There's, there's one called See You at the Pole. And a uh, little show of hands. You ever been to a See You at the Pole rally? Anybody? Okay. All right. So See You at the Pole is it's a prayer gathering at schools around the flagpole to pray for the school and for the city and nation, that kind of stuff. And it's this national movement, and it happens all over the place. And uh, I, in no way, am attempting to make fun of that. Okay, so just... So if I say something that sounds like it, that's not my intention. But in the early 90s, it was still a brand new thing. No one really knew much about it. Um, I believe it started in 1990. And so my uh, high school years were kind of when that was like, starting to become a thing. And one of the things I remember being really strange about RCU at the pole uh, gatherings was that um, it was like the one thing that happened on your school's campus where you got to see who else was a Christian. You know? Like there was you could be completely incognito in a lot of ways. And you kinda maybe you maybe you knew who went to your church, but you weren't totally sure about other people unless they were like very forward about their faith. But to see you at the poll gathering was like, okay, now you know, so I remember spending my time like kinda paying attention but kinda looking around and being like, Who is here? Like who who is courageous enough to like show up early and pray for their school, you know. And and it was like the it was just kind of one of those things where I remember each time there being people there that I was I was surprised to see there, and I don't mean that in a judgmental way. Just I just didn't know. And every time it had a little bit of this effect on me of feeling like, okay, so we're not we're not by ourselves here, you know. And so if there were sixty people there and only eight of them went to your church, and you're like, man, there's 52 other people here. And they're all Christians too. Like they got the word about this and came to school early. And they're willing to like pray uh, for the school and that kind of stuff. And I just remember it having a little bit of, it kind of changed the way I looked at the hallways a little bit. And just kind of made you feel like, okay, so there's more of us than, than you, you may think. That there are other, there are like other guys and there are other girls who are who are in this too. I don't know if you if you ever feel that way when we get together, you know. If there's ever a sense of like, okay, so we're all we're all in the same the same boat. Like we're literally fighting the same battles. The details are different, but we're we're going after the same things. That we're together in this. That we are, that there's a a solidarity that exists. There's a camaraderie that exists. that, That we are sons and daughters who have all been adopted the same way into the same family. And so when we line up to take communion, it's really this really powerful family moment. Because it's the same Jesus who's offering his body and blood to us. And everyone that steps forward is saying, I need that. Like We all need the same things. We don't need anything different. There's nothing unique about your situation. Like, there's this, it's this picture of, equal, of equality and diversity. We're all bringing the same stuff to the same table, to the same Jesus. same body and the same blood. And we're being sent into the same world. We're, we're doing this together. That there's a, there's a togetherness that's supposed to exist. A oneness that's supposed to exist. That perhaps one of the many reasons why the table exists is to help us move closer and closer to this prayer of us being one as they are one that we experience in a tangible way that equality and yet that diversity because this is a difficult room to do the communion the way that we do you know because the people over here have to kind of like go around that way and you have to like let people in and then if you take communion here, but you sit there, but then you have to like fight you know it it's, takes some navigation. but doesn't it just feel like that's like this like great family like rhythm where you're just like letting people go and you're like taking your time and you're maybe that's a part of the oneness that Jesus has in mind for us, a part of that truth, a part of being kept, a, a, a part of, of getting us ready to be sent back out. That maybe in terms of how we're supposed to relate to one another, we need to keep the Trinity in mind and embrace the fact that like God has put us together on purpose to do some incredible things. Jesus says we will do greater things than he did. No wonder he's pumped up about this. No wonder he is so passionate about our oneness because he, he knows exactly what the church could be. He knows her beauty. He knows her potential. He knows what he has for us. And so as we take communion tonight, maybe that's, maybe that's some of what we need to be thinking about. Maybe we need to be thinking, I'm in line with, with my siblings. You know, I'm in line with brothers and sisters who we've all been adopted into this family. I'm in an equal line. I'm in a diverse line. This room is not like other rooms. This is a holy room. Jesus has made this possible for us. And so the beginning of maybe starting to think, when God put us all together, what, what's his plan for us? A part of that is to be one, as he and the Father and the Spirit are one. And so maybe as we sing and as we take communion and you can come and pray, and you can, you can respond however you want to, but maybe that's something he wants to do with us, is continue to move us closer to that Trinitarian community that he, does, that he built us for. So let's stand together, and the band will come. Adam's going to come and serve tonight. Let me pray for us. Father, there are um, there's so many things that we are grateful for, and um, I'm just very thankful, God, that you have done such amazing things uh, among us. You're doing things in us and through us, and uh, we know that we are not the perfect church by any means, and uh, we don't pretend... <laughs> To think that, you know. But we do know that you're at work. We know that you're with us. We know that you've begun something and that you will see it through. And we know, Jesus, that you prayed that we would be one. And so you're the one that invites us to the table. You're the one that invites us to pray. You're the one that invites us to sing. You're the one that invites us to come to you in our Weariness, or our, uh, or our greatest strength, um, to still come to you. So, as we worship in different ways in these closing moments, would you help us to uh, to get a, a deeper sense of that brotherhood that exists, that we're lining up with our uh, our brothers and sisters, that we are uh, taking the the same path to the same Savior. remind us that we're not alone? Would you remind us that we are, uh, we're fighting the same battles, we're going to the same world out there, that we are, uh, we're together in this. Can you use these simple acts of obedience to kind of maybe drive some things deeply into our hearts, maybe uproot some incorrect thinking that's gotten its way in there? Would you help us to break free from the insecurities that we were born into, and uh, help us just, just to embrace what you, uh, how you've made us, and celebrate the fact that we get to do this with one another and with you? And we love you very much. Look forward to these next few, few moments together. Pray this in your name, Amen. All right. Adam is down here. You can come and pray, um, and let's just go through this together. Uh, Like we're saying, experience that oneness together.